0: And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Oh Before you bore the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Terms apply.
1: Join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable!
0: From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho... And from, from, a, from a little modest apartment in the crap part of West Hollywood, Rog, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. Hey, David. What's wrong, Rog? Come on. Everything. No, it's not.
1: Everything. Everything isn't wrong. Everything. It couldn't be worse, mate. Everton, not that good. No, it's worse than that. It's my birthday, too. Oh One year closer to death. I've said before. Well, also,
0: one year further away from birth, and that was probably quite traumatizing. Oh, was, especially for especially for the original Mrs. B. I think,
1: the, I think for me, the happiest days of my life. Yeah. When I think back on it all. Yeah.
0: Were probably in the womb. Yeah.
1: In the womb, everything felt possible. and Then it all went terribly wrong. Yeah. But. Yeah.
0: I wonder what you were like in the womb. Oh, I've got to call Val. We've got to have a talk about it. I think it. I read a lot. I read a lot of
1: poetry. <laughs> You've read of all the books about the Holocaust. Yeah,
0: talk about <laughs> football.
1: What, yeah.
0: What can you do? Can I just say? Uh, rog, how old are you today? Unclear. Unclear. It is unclear. I, I actually, i very publicly, am 51 years old. I have no idea how old you are, Rog. I'm one of those people that's like, impossible to I feel place. like you don't know. I feel like you're not sure how old you are. I'm
1: somewhere between, I, I count the rings on my, um, if you cut me in half, there's just a series of rings like a tree. Yeah. And I, used to, I used to only know how old I was by checking my Wikipedia page. It used to say, <laughs> it used to say age 40 to 58. No one quite <laughs> knew for sure. I felt very safe with that. I will say, I don't care about birthdays. We've talked about this before.
0: Yeah, there are people who care about their birthdays. Big time. There are people who don't care about their birthdays. Yeah. I don't care about them, but I do like to throw a great party. I'm sure you're throwing a great party, Rod. For me? Yeah.
1: Ain't no party without Davo. <laughs> no 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 sorry, let me scratch that. No party without pesco no party
0: like a Devo party. Well uh,
1: a pesco party even more so. Oh,
0: Jesus.
1: I, I, th- I feel like there's people who love to be my, my, water my,
0: security for my, a pesco party.
1: My mother in law, for instance, she likes to be fated like a victorious yeah. Viking chieftain with a week yeah. of feasting, drinking, and celebratory pagan decapitation. Yeah. And then there's other people, me. We just hate being the centre. I think it is centre of attention. I like to low-key my birthday like it's a dose of herpes. I like to be with my wife. I like to be with my family. And I like to take time. Here's what I wrote on my birthday, Mm Davo. We're all alone. Life is short. Love is rare. And then I watched Everton play football and then I scratched all of that crap out.
0: Did you write that on this birthday or on your sixth birthday? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like young Rog.
1: Can you give me some good news? There was some, the one iota of good news that was delivered to us, and it was delivered to us by literally thousands of you, a Philadelphia local news story, which I'm going to have Davo read to cheer my mood. And i say literally thousands of you GFOPs have sent this to us, even more than the mere hundreds who sent us the article about the German bodybuilder who got his penis stuck in a dumbbell and had to be freed <laughs> by the German fire brigade.
0: I wish I was reading that story. No, but the one you're referring to, Rog. In a new study, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania, I should say sister school to the University of Edinburgh, have found that men who have shed their hair are more attractive, Rog. Male and female students were asked to rate photos of men according to attractiveness, confidence, and dominance. Some of the photos also digitally removed hair from some of the pictures to show the same person with and without their locks. According to the researchers, the bald men won out in all three categories. The study also says that men who willingly ditch their hair are perceived as more appealing because they've gone against the traditional norms associated with hair and vitality.
1: Yeah, the style. findings
0: also claim that bald men being perceived as more dominant will do better in business and economically overall. Based on their study, researchers at Penn also suggest that men beginning to lose their hair Just let it happen and don't deny
1: Let it happen. Bald's
0: win. Bald's Bald's win. win.
1: Bald's win. Here's why they wrote water is wet, Guinness is life. Yeah. Why do you think they had to study something which is so self-evident in the first place? Is it because outside of the confines of our pod, it's not self-evident?
0: What isn't written here is the pictures of the people with hair they showed were Richard Simmons and the bald people were all Jason (laughs) Statham. That might have (laughs) skewed the test a little bit. But I must say, I... When people see pictures of me before I lost my hair, I mean, or even though it is true, I am way less bald in person. <laughs> I do look better without hair than I did with hair. I'm certainly more dominant. Certainly, I think I have more confidence. And dare I say it, Rog, I may, I may be a little less heinously unattractive without hair as I was with hair. I've become more dominant as I've lost more hair. Now, of course, that's also become older, I've become more experienced, there are lots of other things that have happened, but I have become more dominant as that has happened.
1: Yep, so this is what, what, when I read this report, which I've read several times, may or may not have memorised it, (laughs) what's fascinating to me is the gulf between the external perception of balds that were seen as sexy and dominant by balds and non-balds, and the internal perception that's very common, especially amongst the Brian Urlachers and now the Ryan Sandbergs and all the Chicago sports heroes of mine of the 1990s who are getting hair transplants, kind of self-loathing on a Sunderland fan epic scale. Do you understand that, David, the difference between how we see ourselves and how we're seen?
0: No, you just went way over my head then. You went way over my bald head. Be dominant though,
1: David, be bald and dominant. Here's what (laughs) I've realised. Hair is a distraction. What magicians call them, uh, I think they call them magicians amongst us who listen, you'll know. It's like a misdirection or something. Oh, yeah. And what I realize once you go bald, you're just naked. You've got to do it with personality. You've got to lead. You've got to lead with character and value. You've got no kind of like quiff. You've got no kind of like flicky hair to, to, to distract, which made me realize, Dave, and I'm going to start doing this as of Monday, next Monday when we have our next live show. I'm going to go next step with all of this, this nakedness, this honesty. I'm going to dispense with clothing. <laughs> no, please stop. Come on, do it with yes, me. That other you went commando last show, which we've not talked I did about. I go
0: commando, and it was it was I would say one of my better performances on the Men in Blazers show. It was the first time I'd ever gone commando. We're about I felt to, felt we're,
1: free. we're about to go live, and the countdown in our ear: seven, six, yeah. and Davo leans over to me and he goes. I'm about to go commando for the first time live on television, and then we hit it. You were fantastic. It,
0: it was a mistake. It was it wasn't a mistake. I just failed to bring underwear to the gym after I'd taken my shower, but it was, uh, it was a. Uh, but I liked it. I might always go commando on Men in Blazers days. You don't just go commando,
1: Dave. Hold my hand. Let's rid ourselves. Everyone listening, too, clothing is just another layer of misdirection. We must wander this earth from now on totally, totally nude. It's the only way we can be our true selves.
0: Yeah, with your short legs and your long body. (laughs) That that would be something to behold, Rog. Okay. In other Men in Blazers news. Yeah, talking of the TV show. We're coming back. We're going to be back next week, Rog.
1: 5.30 after West Brom beat Arsenal. Oh, big game. Do you know who's guesting? He may or may not be wearing underpants. We'll have to hold out to find out. Arturo Castro, Jaime from Broad City, and David from the excellent Narcos 3. God, that is an incredible actor with range. And guests, in my quest to learn more about life outside of just this podding table, we've got a special pod dropping this week in which I interview Tommy Caldwell, the world's greatest free climber. He's an amazing... He has climbed without ropes, just mountain faces over multi-days with every bone in his body aching. When I pre-interviewed him, he said to me that he likes to... Feel incredible pain. He said, The great thing about hitting your head against the wall is that feeling when you stop. Rog says, Why hit your head against the wall to begin with? I'm gonna find out, Dave, on Thursday with this man, the human antithesis of Rog, a man of physical superhuman ability, fearlessness, he seems to love two things that I despise risk and danger. And then the greatest news known to man, Davo. We're edging way, towards... are,
0: are you going to be podding naked, Roger, or you will be clothed in that pod?
1: Why are you even asking me anymore? It should just be a <laughs> given. For God's sake, sometimes I feel like you don't even know me anymore, Daveo.
0: <laughs> now you're who knows how old.
1: In greatest news known to man, we are edging towards September 29th. And with it, the launch of FIFA 18, which in my book... makes 29th of September as big as Christmas, Rosh Hashanah and Churchill Day, if they're all rolled into one. FIFA, seriously, Davo, how much do we love it?
0: We love it. We need Alex Hunter on the TV show, Rod. We are in the Alex Hunter game.
1: Warning, we are in the Alex Hunter game this year as he comes to America. Possibly the biggest thing to hit MLS since David Villa's arrival. But that game, seriously, the silent hand, I believe, that's grown America's love of football millions of young Americans have learned about both the players, the character of the players and the subtlety of football tactics, as well as the kind of nuances of different team playing stars, how Bayern <laughs> feel to play differently than PSG or Barcelona. And they've become addicted to the FIFA franchise and, and football through the FIFA franchise. And this edition, oh, with Alex Hunter coming to America, it's one that's given me the extra tingling. So we're elated to announce GFOPs, stand by, our 87th annual
0: FIFA cover contest. Right there, you vote. In honour of next week's EA Sports FIFA 18 launch, we're holding our EA Sports FIFA 19 cover contest. It's, it's an annual event at this point, Rog. Oh. Here's how it works. CR7, our mate, got this year's cover <laughs> after winning basically every trophy in football and because he knew us. And um, we, yeah, we, you we you said do it. We said do it. We want you to look into your football in crystal balls or, I don't know, octopi, figure out what's going to happen in the year ahead or pies and design FIFA 19's cover. Do it on Photoshop, Microsoft Paint, an easel, graph paper, however you want to an do abacus. it. Send us any and all submissions on social using the hashtag, hashtag MIBFIFACover or email meninblazers at gmail.com. The hashtag is MIBFIFACover or email meninblazers at gmail.com. FIFA cover, by the way, has been used as a hashtag in lots of other uh, slightly uh, less um, <sighs> Uh, conventional emails, Rog. We will choose a few of our favourites. They will win a copy of the brand-new EA Sports FIFA 18 game for their game system of choice for oh, your Atari.
1: I love this contest. I really do. I'm going to spend the afternoon noodling on a little design, in which may be Crap Cat, maybe kisses David Wagner on the mouth. Well, big carts and, I don't know, mini carts. Look on in silent ecstasy.
0: Uh, OK, Roger, we've got a packed show. We're going to break down. Wazzers return to Old Trafford. Oh, a game that ended with the homecoming king looking on helplessly as his new team were battered <laughs> 4-0 by his former beau, Manchester United. And we marvel oh. at the cadre of footballing robots known as Manchester City. JW loves them. And their 6-0 dismantling of Watford. To the football, Rog.
1: Oh, I'm going to raise my Guinness, Davo. I'm going to yeah. raise it to the city of Manchester. Mm-hmm. To City and United, Premier League giants. Ebony and Ivory. Between them, they've netted 26% of all the goals scored in the Premier League this season. Wow. While leaking a measly four goals collectively. Early days, early days, but the battle for the Premier League title, possibly between Manchester's City and United. That, that, that one that we were promised last year, but it never materialised. Yeah. Oh, they might be the best duo out of Manchester since the opening bars of cigarettes and alcohol. I raise my Guinness and I declare
0: the North remembers. <laughs> <laughs> and how appropriate that we segue out of that on our crap podcast to Chelsea Mill, Arsenal Mill, Rog. Arsene <sighs> Wenger's team become the first to hold Chelsea scoreless at the bridge during the Antonio Conte era and Alexandra Lacazette point blank miss. And a correctly disallowed Mustafi header highlighted a physical affair that ended with David Luiz being sent off for a reckless wetting himself challenge, apparently, <laughs> on Sayad Kolasinac. Chelsea are in third, three points adrift of both Manchester teams. And while Arsenal have just seven points from five games, this point was well-deserved. Roger? Biff Tanner nil. George
1: McFly, nil. Which I've... one's which? Oh, if you don't know, Davo, you shouldn't ask. But after six years of losses at Stamford Bridge, a game which has often been more humiliating for Arsene Wenger than if he was forced to make a nude walk from the great Scepter Baelor to the Red Keep, while Scepter Unella screamed, shame, shame, shame. This draw, not always easy on the eye, was a win for Arsenal Optics and a victory over narrative for Arsenal. Because when this game kicked off, Davo, were you mentally just... Give us three
0: points. They're Chelsea's by rights. Was that your mindset? Not really. Not really. Um, I mean, look, at some point, Arsenal's luck, Arsenal's fortune is going to change at Stamford Bridge. And look, I'm I'm not going to run away from this. I thought this was very impressive from Arsenal. Not actually necessarily disappointed with the point or disappointed with Chelsea's performance either. But I was impressed by what Arsenal did in this game. And it wasn't the result. I don't think getting a point at Stamford Bridge, had they come there and won, that would have been narrative flipping. It's not the result. It's just the performance. This was a performance of everything that we always accuse Arsenal of lacking, of heart, of spine, of strength, of discipline, not just of show. Uh, and they had moments when they, when they played very, very good football as well. But it was the spine that was more impressive about this Arsenal.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can say this was a completely different Arsenal to the one that surrendered so meekly at Anfield. I mean, once Cesc had allowed Chelsea to open strongly, few players seemed to take the field, wielding a knife to twist against their old team with more relish than sesk But Arsenal, they did. They seized the initiative. They seemed organised. They seemed collective. They seemed hard-working. Arguably, they should have been 2-0 ahead at the half. Hurricane Welbs heading over from close range, and then Lacazette going French Wando. Were you surprised to the extent to which Chelsea seemed to lack muscle more than anything in that first half midfield? or Did you score that first half 118-110 to Chelsea? <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. God, it's a, it's a, what is a draw anymore after that fight <laughs> at the weekend, Rog? Um, no, look, Arsenal were the better team in the first half. There's no doubt. Uh, there's no doubt at all. But you've got to convert your chances and Arsenal failed to do that. And this is a Chelsea team who've come off, you know, a pretty, pretty tough fixture list since that opening day sort of crushing loss at home to burnley self-inflicted wound they've had a very very tough four game stretch this is another very very tough game in that stretch i sort of think ultimately for chelsea their form over the last five games playing the likes of tottenham playing arsenal uh playing everton playing uh leicester they've played some very very good teams and uh i i'm not surprised that they were taken by Arsenal. i think arsenal you know, dictated the game. They, uh, they came out on the offensive. They needed to bounce back after that result against Liverpool, and they certainly did.
1: At South Blueprint tweeted us, does Sanchez suck all the hustle out of Arsenal when he plays, seems to be the only one hustling. When he's out, everyone hustles. Is there a Sanchez theory on the bench there, not starting, back, little doggy owner, little fatso in the eyes of some Arsenal fans? Is there some truth to that theory,
0: David? I think we've seen this with several teams over the years that sometimes they're, when sort of the best player, uh, quote marks, is on, the, is on the field, everybody else stops running around. They just give it to the best player and wait to go and see what he does. We've both talked about playing rugby when we were kids at school, and there's always a really big kid on your team. I remember in the under-12s, we had John Eade, and we would just give the ball to Eade, and everybody Hayes. would just stand behind him and let him go and run with it. Yeah, And I think there is... There is a little bit of that about Sanchez. But I think this actually has more to do with what Arsenal had to prove after that loss against Liverpool. They needed a bounce back. And I think collectively they found a way to do that.
1: I I think it was three things. It's not just Sanchez. It was also Ozil who was out with whatever he's out with right now. And and partly, number one, this Arsenal are propelled now by new players like Lacazette and Kolasnik have not yet been around Arsenal enough to be appropriately afraid. Uh, and they don't just adopt the position. They were full on kind of, kind of like, Canelo, be bold. But I think that flapping skin of the Sanchez and the Ozil, will they stay or will they go? If you're in that locker room through that long drawn out grinding drama, it kind of annoys, it belittles, it humiliates the other players as it drags on. And they do gain a desire to prove themselves. I mean, we were
0: caned a lot at school. Were you caned yeah. also? I was plimsolled. Yeah, plimsolled. So they take ping, the athletic shoe and they, they smack you with it.
1: Rulers, cricket bats, whatever. Teachers could do it. The senior pupils could do it. And I can tell you from experience speaking in America, you can only be given a spanking so many times before you just wise up eventually, start to walk around school every day with a small telephone book stuffed down the back of your pants. And in mm-hmm. this game, it was like Arsenal had brought that small telephone book and more to the fight. The second half, high on passion, low on skill. If it was an HBO series, it probably would have been vinyl. Big money, big expectation, no season two of that crap. And my overwhelming feeling was, and I want to hear yours, Davo, Chelsea trying to set up the decent, naive, wonderful, definitely skilled and intelligent, but falling against gravity a lot, Morata. I just was like, God, I miss Diego Costa, a man who would have taken the combustible pile of dry parched wood that's an Arsenal-Chelsea game, doused it in lighter fuel, flung a match on the lot and then dived right into those flames himself, swearing, scratching and taking everyone with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, other than what David Luiz gave us at the end of the game, which we'll get to, it was a Chelsea-Arsenal confrontation with very little drama in it, frankly. It was, um, you know, bizarrely almost passive at times. Look, I don't think we'll really know a lot about Morata or a lot about Chelsea going forward until Hazard comes back to the team fully. Yes, he came on as a late substitute. He immediately looked like Chelsea's best player, as he is. Remember, in this fixture last season, it was really um, you know, that amazing goal, that Hazard run, that Hazard goal, which we saw played you know, a thousand times in the build-up to this game. You know, And I think when Hazard opens up going forward, I think we'll know more about Chelsea going forward this year. And I think we'll actually see the real measure of what Morata can go and be to this team. They look a little disjointed going forward. Still look a little bit disjointed in midfield. You know, Bakayoko playing there. We've got to see what kind of a player he's going to be in the Premier League. I think Chelsea will take solace despite the sort of the misses of, you know, having a clean sheet at home. They've only, you know, conceded five goals this season. And frankly, three of those were on uh, day one. So two goals since the beginning of the season. I think that's going to be Chelsea's strength this year. They're not as good as the Manchester's. They're probably not as good at football as Arsenal or Tottenham or Liverpool, but that's not where Chelsea exactly. win. They don't play exactly. unattractive football, but they're just, they're just like all over the pitch. They're pretty good and they've got a pretty good squad. They're
1: not a football team. I mean, they're normally snarling like a demented pack of hyenas chasing down Arsenal centre-back Wildebeest on the Savannah. I mean, that is, that is how they normally take to these games. And I'll say after five games, that's what Conte's missing this season that kind of snarling assassin ready to do whatever it takes to win. If you've watched Narcos 3, I'm talking about Navigante. But you play Stoke this weekend, true test of ripple muscle, after which we can jump to hopefully slightly more accurate conclusions. We've got to quickly talk about the Mustafi header ruled out for offside because there's just there's few more heartbreaking sights in sports than watching an Arsenal player's joy celebrating a goal against Chelsea naively unaware of the truth that the rest of the world completely is aware of that it's already been chalked offside. There was Mustafi doing his little kind of flappy birdie hands celebration, skipping down the front of delighted Arsenal fans. Bless. It was like that moment when you walk out of the, the men's bathroom thinking everyone's staring at you in the bar because you look so sexy, amazing and bald. But really, you've just got your fly open and the bottom of your shirt shooting out of the gap. I, I, I felt for that bloke.
0: Yeah, no, and even I felt for him at that point. I don't like seeing that.
1: To the David Louise foul, whatever you want to say about that on poor Kalasnik. who looks more and more to me like Andrew Reynolds from Girls on Steroids.
0: Yeah, it's one of those classic, you know, things where you, you run with the ball, you're trying to make something happen, the ball runs away from you. It gets to be sort of a 50-50 situation. And he went in over the ball, looked way worse. I mean, it looked like a hard challenge when you watched it live, when you watched it in slow motion, it looked way more deliberate. But, you know, just like we talked about last week with the Liverpool sending off, you know, there is a reason that, you know, we don't allow you to follow through the ball and go high with your studs up, falling to the ground, is that you can end up doing terrible damage. Thank God it looks like he didn't do terrible damage uh, to the big man, uh, But, you know, of course, straight red card. thought Ray Wilkins comments that David Louise wet himself before that happened because <laughs> he was so afraid of Kalasanat. It was a slightly strange thing. But I'd like to check David Luiz's underpants and uh, see if there is any truth to that. I don't think it was a foul of weakness, David Luiz like
1: Ghost commando. I, honestly, yeah. if you was to pick one player in the Premier League that just has no sheer need for underpants, it's David Luiz. The only thing a note for me is that it was the fifth red card for Chelsea in their last eight matches, which is, which is fascinating. But even when Chelsea went down to 10 men, I still thought Chelsea would find a way to do it. My muscle memory just become so accustomed to Arsenal's heartbreak. But this was I mean, it's what you said at the beginning is so true, David. On this day, we were watching a new beast, good Arsenal. I mean, it's like, that sounds like an oxymoron, listeners. Like saying, smart, strategic Betsy DeVos. But to be clear, holding Chelsea scoreless for the first time at home under Conte, 27 competitive games, that is a remarkable feat. And to me, Arsenal should get three points for simply defying narrative. Clean sheet at Stamford Bridge for the first time since 20th of April 2005. And that in a big game in which they showed the traits that you laid out, Davo, ones that we so often deride them for lacking. Heart, yeah. collective endeavour, tenacity. They had it all on this thing.
0: Yeah, no, I think the performance was very, very impressive. I think we can overstate the result uh, for both teams. I think that these are games where you know, if Arsenal are going to step up and get back into this, look, this is ultimately, Rod, you laid it out at the beginning, is who's going to be good enough to catch the Manchester teams this year? Or is this just going to be a title for Manchester? These are games that if Chelsea and or Arsenal and or Tottenham and or Liverpool are going to genuinely compete against the Manchesters, they've got to not find a way to draw nil-nil. They've got to find a way to go and win those games. Otherwise, we're just competing again for a fourth-place trophy. And I would say to that, what's the point?
1: To the Manchesters.
0: Yes, Rog, to the Manchesters. Manchester United 4, Everton nil. Wayne Rooney's return to Old Trafford ends with his former side pumping four past the Toffees. After a fourth minute, Tony V, Stonker, put United up 1-0. Everton were able to establish a beachhead for the vast majority of the game, but in the final seven minutes, a three-goal barrage from Henrik Mkhitaryan. Dead to Rogers, Romelu Lukaku, oh, and him. Anthony drove old big head, Ronald Koeman, and his army, not a very good army, like the Belgian <laughs> army, back into the sea. But you probably took solace <laughs> in the bright spots, right, Rog? Oh, Dave, Dave, Dave. Look,
1: I strive to be professional and objective in my match analysis, even, <laughs> as you well know. I take pride in that. Will you just. Permit me a small emotional outburst ahead of this one. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Proceed. There's nothing else in my life, Davo, like football. (laughs) I, I I was trying to think, what else makes me feel so excited for something that's essentially guaranteed to make me feel like utter crap afterwards? We've never talked about this, so I have no idea where you stand on, like whether you like to be spanked or you don't like to be, like many members of the English judiciary who hire, you know, like prostitutes to humiliate them.
0: No, I don't like to be spanked. Let me just make that very clear to everybody. We've never discussed
1: I Didn't want to like judge or project. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't like to be spanked yeah. and soiled by hired hands. But why then, in my leisure time, Dave, in, in my fandom, Yeah. why, why, why do I put myself through this? I was so
0: excited the night before this game. I know you were, Rog, and you were very excited before this season. I think it's the hope, and we've talked about this before, it's the hope that you have had for this Everton side that is killing you a little this season. Oh, Premier League scriptwriters,
1: I'm speaking yeah. to you because I know that you listen to this pod. That was cruel, cruel, cruel scriptwriting by you lot. Send in, send in Wayne, send in Wayne back to Old Trafford where he'd only played 559 games, netting 253 goals. All right, one was against Everton, where he kind of kissed his United badge flagrantly after scoring. But to send him back there, when this Everton was so dilapidated and discombobulated, you're naughty. You're naughty, script writer. That is not not nice. Not nice. In truth, in truth, we held out longer than I thought we would. (laughs) Three minutes, 20 seconds. (laughs)
0: And you were beaten by a good goal, Rog. Let's face it, that was a good goal.
1: It was... Matic, your man, at the heart of it, swinging the ball. Oh, my Lord, that was a proper Matic ball across the edge of the
0: box, right? Was it? I've not really seen Matic play that ball before. As as he played that ball, I thought, that's a slightly odd pass, hitting it one bounce, very hard towards Tony V. How's he going to control that? And Tony V answered that question by not trying to control it at all. He just smashed it, not really that far to the side of Jordan Pickford, that young child in goal for Everton. He just hit it so hard that Jordan Pickford just couldn't move three feet in any way in time to go and get the ball. It had already hit the net before Jordan Pickford got to the space where the ball was.
1: No chill or fire, sliders up. That shot was dictionary definition Wolf Blitzer. Uh, oddly though, Davo, when it went in, I can't describe what you felt, I felt.
0: You felt nothing. Let me guess. You felt nothing.
1: What? now I did. Do you know what I felt? I felt. What? I felt calm. I felt calmed. <laughs> I felt calmed. I felt validated. I felt reassured. I did it because that goal fulfilled my worst-case scenario. I knew where I was. I'd located myself emotionally in the experience that was to come. And I looked this morning at my game notes, Davo, and I wrote the second, that almost seconds after that goal, I just calmly wrote with my little quill on my parchment. I wrote, God, if you exist, just let's get the Romelu Lukaku wonder goal out the way quickly so I can dispense with all hope and move straight to morning." I honestly spent, Davo, the majority of the first 45 minutes in kind of an ecstatic agony. If any of you listening, and I know a lot of you were, so you'll relate to this. If any of you listening were ever executed by guillotine in the French Revolution, yeah. that feeling that you experience waiting for the blade to drop, yeah. that's what I felt watching Everton play Manchester United this weekend. It's an awful feeling, isn't it, guillotine recipients?
0: It's the worst. Yeah, it's not a great feeling. And the more worrying thing for Everton, though, Rog, the more worrying thing for Everton fans, though, Rog, it's not not the spankings, it's not the goals being scored against them, it's how little they're showing moving forward. Two goals all season, Rog. Who needs goals? Overrated. Premier League. Yeah, we haven't Uh, scored
1: in over six hours, mate. We're like constipated. We're like cork in a bottle. We have no pace. And what was odd about this game... Without the driver, Pogba, injured, United sat back. They took their foot off the gas. Everton actually had time to find a rhythm up the flanks. And at halftime, you know, Tom Davis doing his little kinetic, frenetic, Mm. pesty wonder all over the field. At halftime, I spoke to God again for the second time that morning. I don't even believe in her, but I spoke to her again. And I said, if you let Wayne Rooney score... I will get one of his half-assed, clown-crazy hair transplants myself. As <laughs> he tweeted that out. And Everton responded. Just seize the initiative again. And bloody hell, wazza. He had t- <laughs> if he didn't have two close-range second-half opportunities to make me think I was going to have to phone 1-800-DOCTOR-HAIR. Twice, I poor Guinness all over my down-belows. Twice, De Gea smart snuff-out saves at close-range. And in those seconds, Dave, all I've said about Wayne Rooney in the past, all we've discussed, all you know, all you hold over <laughs> me like a footballing sword of Damocles, I just realized Wayne is a dark and complicated character. D U I oh, I
0: think that's clear.
1: Black Volkswagen <laughs> Beetles, <laughs> driving ban and all. He's going to do a lot of good work for charity in those 100 volunteer Char- hours. Char- but the wonder of sports is, dave it makes you feel life is temporarily simple. And Lord, was I ever screaming his bloody name. We tried, we struggled, we failed. All this bloody time, United had just been coiled to strike on the counter-attack in their favoured haunting hour, the last 10 minutes of the game, which is when they seem to want to go medieval on all their opponents. That's the hour that Sir Alex chose in his pomp. And so it seems in Jose's second season, this campaign Those last 10 minutes, two goals against West Ham, three against Swansea, one important goal against Leicester, floodgates against Everton, Davo. Lukaku setting up Mkhitaryan after Ashley bloody Williams made his guaranteed one self-sabotaging switch off of a cock-up a game. And then at 88 minutes, I'd started to type my closing words on the game, Davo, and I wrote the following. A brave loss. (laughs) Though we... (laughs) You you often. I wrote, I wrote a brave loss, though we surely deserve some points for avoiding the emotionally devastating heartbreak of experiencing Lukaku or Fellaini score against us
0: and then <laughs> you should have written that to God, Rog. you might have got you might have got your dream and then
1: Lukaku scored and celebrated like a Belgian Benedict Arnold. I just felt like a folk fan at the Newport Folk Festival watching Dylan go all electric. But mm-hmm. what a knob Lukaku is, kicking us out of bed, confused, naked, still a little bit, a lot in love, Dave. You can have your, your Lukaku songs, your, your slightly racist Lukaku songs, United
0: fans. So, Rod, at the end of this game... Yeah, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. So let's start before we get back to Everton. Yeah. How do you now feel about United? Because we said early on, oh, they've been given very easy fixtures. Maybe you include Everton within that and given a great start.
1: I do. I mean, this was the least four-nil game you'll ever see. Which
0: in what do we know about United? What do we know about them now?
1: We know they score floodgates in the last ten minutes. The, the least four-nil game you'll ever see, which in many. Way's made it the most 4-0 game you'll ever see. Uh, we're going to coin a new phrase, the Manchester United 4-0 game. We're going to use our little fingers, which I hate when people do that, for inverts. But my game notes now end, at least Fellaini didn't score with the word score blurred out by a single teardrop that must have fallen from somewhere. We don't, we don't know, Dave. We do not know. We don't, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about United maybe after we talk about City because we've really got to compare those two horses. I'll say for Everton, what a week, my birthday week, a 3-0 loss against Spurs, 3-0 loss in the Europa League against Atlanta United knockoff at Atlanta. And now this 4-0, we're in the bloody relegation zone alongside Bournemouth and Uncle Roy's Palace. Mm -hmm. Our our kind of pre-season hopes are now tattered, worn around our necks like an albatross of humiliation. I'm yearning for the Roberto Martinez days. His defences were locked down compared to this. We've got Bournemouth, we've got Burnley, we've got Brighton, putatively easier games now, but we've not scored in over six hours of competitive football. Before the game, Kerman had said, I see a team with a lot of doubts. That was the only thing we got a lot of right now, O. And he doesn't <laughs> seem to be the man to fix them, a man who truly understands Everton's DNA. And this is the most haunting thing of all. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to stop. As my father told me, and a week on, I'm only truly beginning to understand and appreciate his wisdom. I am who I am. <laughs> I can't change who I am, Roger. And nor, it seems, can Everton. By the way, I want to thank the slew of you who are oddly moved by my father's 80th birthday story and elected to write songs about him. A lot of you did, bizarrely. It's really wonderful, <laughs> for real. I loved each and every one of them. And we'll, we'll go out of today's pod with, with the first one that came in because it's the most haunting, at Halleck's really monastic ode to Roger's dad do you have a word on everton david
0: everton to me actually i still think they've got skill i still think they've got players some really good players on that football team you still watch individual moments you watch individual players and you think they're good my mo- the more worrying thing for me about them watching them a couple of times uh, play last week is that they're not only slow they also seem to run out of gas and <laughs> i'm i'm having i'm having <laughs> trouble resolving those two things they don't seem to run particularly fast and then at the end they're sort of like somebody who's prepared for a mile race by sort of giving themselves like you know they've got to like run past eight runners and then they just fall further back towards the end of games so they seem somewhat out of shape and you can sort of explain that with Wazza, as we know his his weekend habits they don't seem as fit they don't seem as buzzy as everton teams of your, (sighs) roger
1: I think weekends are for amateurs for Wazza. It's the weeknights I'm a bit worried about. But with Everton doomed, stumbling into the relegation zone, just allow me to mark this moment in really the only appropriate way I can think of with the First World War poetry (laughs) of A.E. Houseman, a poem entitled Here Dead We Lie. Here dead we lie because we did not choose to live and shame the land from which we sprung. Life, to be sure, is nothing much to lose. But young men think it is.
0: And we were young. That was very moving, Rog. Can I just say, this was very, very unlike Skip Bayless's uh, analysis on his show after watching his Dallas Cowboys being taken apart in Denver this weekend. He just wasn't quite as forthcoming. (laughs) Uh, it's because okay, I, I prefer Manchester. statistics
1: and analysis uh, yeah. to emotion, David.
0: Across oh. Manchester, Rog. Watford nil, Manchester City six. An exacting, ruthless performance from the Borg of Pep leaves the Orns in a lifeless heap on the Vicarage Road turf. In front of Elton John, Roger and his kids. A Sergio Aguero hat-trick and goals from... Gabriel, Jesus, Nicolas, Otamendi and the notorious RAZ highlight a game that at times looked more like a Kevin David Silver passing exhibition or oh, JW's favourite. The touchdown's <laughs> worth of goals is enough to put City atop the table, edging out their crosstown rivals on alphabetical order. Oh,
1: City, what can you say about them? In this game, they used and abused. Watford, high-flying previously before this game, well-organized, supposedly, Hornets. They used and abused them. But the same kind of carefree approach Steve Manukin brings to his treatment of the government planes. Mm. It was astonishing to watch Silver. astonishing to watch KDB. KDB, can we talk about him for a second? He just seems to operate on a higher level than everyone around him. And what I don't understand is, why is he not hailed as a top three in the world midfielder?
0: Got number one because he's, he's ginger. Exactly. Thank you. Okay.
1: Uh, case closed. Isn't it? it? Isn't it? Yeah. Num- and B, he looks facially maybe as if he's rivaling Ericsson and Modric in like some kind of a bizarre competition to look like the village cowherd apprentice rather yeah, than the world class football. From,
0: from a Bruegel painting. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he is the Bruegel football. I've, I've always wondered where I've seen him before. And pull up a Bruegel. He's in every single Bruegel, KDB.
1: <sighs> he is the Bruegel. He, he, the Bruegel dropped one onto Kun Aguero's head and the yeah. goals just overflow. Second, three minutes later, Guerrero turn provider for a slightly offside scrappy do. I mean, City were so dominant in this game, they could have played Claudio Bravo in goal and still edged it. <laughs> I mean, what, Watford... Could have played Joe Hart in goal. Here's the stats for Watford, who actually, they could have briefly gone top with a win. Here's their stats, Daveo. Mm. Zero sacks, zero quarterback hits, zero yeah. turnovers... One pass defended, six touchdowns allowed. Actually, that's the New York Jets. But it gives you a reflection of just how bad the Hornets were on this day. City now scored 13 unanswered goals over the last three Premier League games. They in United have goal differences of plus 14 after five games. How do you understand all of what we're watching with those two teams right now?
0: Well, Man City were one zero one 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 zero zero one zero zero one 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 zero one one. Not that attractive to watch, but what a winning formula. Amazing piece of programming by Pep. These guys actually look like they wanted to play with each other. There, there's joy. Roger, we haven't seen joy from Manchester City players. Genuine joy in setting up someone for a goal celebrations after the goals that look like these people are mates. Like they've some trained, of them even speak the same language. they are trained on the celebrations.
1: Stuff. I think they brought joy in the off season for 250 million. I, yeah. I, w- I will say not to be a killjoy. They won their first six league games last season. As I think every city fan is incredibly aware, smashing teams along the way. They won their first five games two seasons ago and then stuttered in October Last season, the existential pep era truly kicked in pretty well around the time I went to interview him. I'd just say let's revert in five weeks' time and see if this is for real.
0: Look, I think they're both very good. I think they've done what you know, the London team's chasing them and, and the, uh, certainly the Reds of Liverpool haven't done chasing them. They've been exacting. Uh, they've beaten almost everybody who's been put in front of them Rog, these have been impressive performances, impressive openings of the season. We'll have to see how exacting the competition get. I think there's a, there's a big question. Ultimately, what are the Manchester's going to do? What's going to be this battle between Pep and Jose? What kind of pressure are they going to put on each other? How will they react to that pressure? But I think before we can even get there, we've got to see if Arsene or Antonio or Jürgen can put any pressure on them as well.
1: Let's look at some of those teams you just mentioned, Dave. They've started with Tottenham.
0: Oh, well, I actually left out Tottenham. I shouldn't do because they're still a very good football team, Rog. But didn't look so good in this one. Just days after looking like they'd reversed the Wembley curse with a convincing 3-1 Champions League win over Dortmund. Spurs can't find a way through the Swans at home. In three home league games at Wembley, Potter's side has just two points. It ends Tottenham nil, Swansea nil, Rog.
1: Yeah, Spurs had 26 shots, 11 corners, 75% possession, almost 40% of pl- this game was played in the Swansea penalty area, in and amongst their two defensive banks of four. Two penalties denied and most critically, no goals when they did break through. Fabianski excellent with eight saves. Real exercise in sheer frustration for Spurs against a well-organised Paul Clement drilled, robust Swansea bat line. Tottenham out against the bottom feeders this season, they remind me of Ah, oh, Liverpool last season, dominating possession, and able to break down teams who just sit back and deny them the space that Harry Kane and an extremely sloppy deli typically prefer to attack with their brain freezing speed. Second half, felt like one of those nights where you're stressed from work and can't get to sleep and you know you've got like five or six hours of exhausted wakefulness. You know that feeling, right, David?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know it a lot. I know it a lot. Tottenham just not quite um you're right, unable to find uh, the back of the net. You know, this is such an explosive side offensively. So many so many sort of ways that they can score and just not really opening up. I think they're looking better at Wembley. I thought they would look very good in that Champions League game, uh, Rog. So oh, hopefully they can improve from there.
1: Yeah, but the, the longer the game went on, the atmosphere at Wembley just became numb, David. And that camera just kept zooming in and around rotund middle-aged Spurs fans who'd stuffed their bellies into Nike nipple buster Spurs jerseys, looking on kind of like in grim head-shaking disbelief. You said it, Spurs this season, six points on the road, just two points out of nine at Wembley. Home, crappy home. Huge respect to Swansea, though. Like Burnley, they've lost their two best players, but they've not lost their spirit. Clement replaced the big names with collective endeavour and organisation three times this season, and this was the third time they didn't attempt a shot on goal the entire day, but they came to London to plunder a point, and this was mission accomplished.
0: Uh, Liverpool won, Burnley won. Jurgen Klopp's side rollercoaster start to the season continues as they celebrate 125 years at Anfield by dropping points to the gravelly of voice, ginger of hair, Sean Dyche and Burnley. The Clarets drew first blood on 27 minutes behind a composed Scott Arfield finish. The Reds climbed level three minutes later thanks to an outstanding piece of individual skill from Mo Salah and it ends honours even and with Liverpool fans missing Sadio Mane.
1: Oh, that was the question before the game. How would Liverpool's one-man-a team yeah. take the field without their one mane Suspended for the first of his three-game kung fu fighting against Edison's cheek ban. Philippe Coutinho started. You never really wanted to leave us, Liverpool fans managed to persuade themselves. Liverpool, just the most bipolar team in British football. Still capable of the most stunning moments of beauty and the most slapstick physical comedy. You're right, the off-field finish was beautiful, but the LOLs that came before it, Dave, I mean, just oh, a routine ball dropped into the heart of Liverpool's defence. It, like, looped lazily. No one reacted. Couldn't tell if it was the most Burnley goal of all time or the most Liverpool's defence to concede of all time. And once Liverpool had got themselves back into the game, Salah, five goals in eight games, they rained shots. 35 shots on first start goalkeeper Nick Pope. The young Pope. And Burnley were just able to fend each and every one of them off, Davo. To to finish off a dark week for Liverpool, that 5-0 whipping against City, a numbing Champions League draw against Sevilla. And then this. Liverpool just become a team for whom surprise results are just the norm. The excellent English football writer Daniel Stories captured them best. He said, Every section of Liverpool's matches are played like the last 10 minutes of your office five-a-side game on a Monday night.
0: Yeah, but the more worrying thing for Liverpool fans is that defence still, Rog. Just letting Ben Mee have chance after chance from exactly the same corner hit to exactly the same sort of looped high ball to the far post. You know, Burnley almost stole this game, Rog. They almost stole it.
1: Liverpool don't land, though, do they? As Liverpool fans have all told me this week, and there's a slight backsplash starting to splatter the Sterling reputation of Jurgen Klopp in that regard. If it was the NFL, he would have fired his defensive coach by now and brought in a new one. But we've got to say, magnificent for Burnley. Survived trips to Chelsea, Spurs, and now Liverpool. They too stripped of their two blessed players, Andre Gray and Michael Keane. Tom Heaton, first-choice goalkeeper out injured, yet they've Mm. quietly slid into seventh place.
0: Also climbing the table, Newcastle. They beat Stoke City 2-1. The Toon collect their third win on the spin. Against Omnis and Stoke, a 68th minute game winner from captain Jamal Lasals moves Rafa's side into the top four. 5.38 to the way through this Premier League season.
1: Three consecutive league victories have powered this team that I tip for relegation into fourth place. They're powered by a typical Benitez pragmatic defensive setup. Jamal Lasals, who you mentioned, becoming a young goal scoring captain, leader, future legend. And DeAndre Yedlin, with his first start of the season, looked very sharp. Single glimmering piece of good news for Dr. Bruce Arena and US fans in a week in which Jeff Cameron, John Brooks, Jordan Morris, Josie and Bobby Wood are all out with injuries.
0: Jamal LaSalle is, is my latest favourite sort of an English player with a foreign sounding name, Rog. He's, uh, he's, he's climbing the charts. He's going to walk right, right into Davos' toga team, I tell you. Huddersfield won. Leicester won. Huddersfield's scrappy start to the campaign continues. Beefy Belgian Laurent Despoch put David Wagner's squad ahead on 46 minutes. USA, USA. But just four (laughs) minutes later, Jamie Vardy lashed home a penalty like someone trying to impress his partner at a county fair punching machine. A point for the Terriers and the Foxes alike. West Bromwich Albion, nil. West Ham, nil. One week after losing the Battle of the Albions, West Brom can only muster a draw in the Premier League directional derby, the Battle of the West. a good point for the Hammers, who after three straight losses have earned four points from the last possible six. Bournemouth two Brighton one Friday night football on the South coast sees the cherries come from behind to earn their first points of the season. After an early second half Seagulls goal, a 67th minute Andrew Sermon equalizer and a 73rd minute Jermaine Defoe winner. How many times have we heard that? Send the carts big and mini into a euphoric 99 flake infused (laughs) celebration.
1: Oh, it was lovely to see that old man Jermaine Defoe score his first goal for Bournemouth since May 2001. Yeah, I'll do the math. 5,977 days ago. So long ago that Eddie Howe, his manager, was then his teammate, still chugging away at the back for the Cherries. Circle of life, Davo. Circle of life.
0: Crystal Palace, Rod. Nil. Southampton, one. Down at the tables, annals, Rod. Or annals. <laughs> Is it annals <laughs> or annals?
1: It's definitely annals.
0: Okay, that's so funny. (laughs) Roy Hodgson wastes no time putting his stamp on Palace's season as his hapless team concede in just the sixth minute to Northern Ireland's Stephen Davis, no relation. Crystal Palace are the first side in English top-flight history to open the season with five defeats and absolutely no goals scored. Oh, Dave.
1: Crystal Palace, I know you love them. Rebecca Lowe loves them. But they're doing something that I honestly thought was impossible right now. They're battling crystal meth in the fight to be the world's worst crystal. <laughs> what was it like watching Roy? He was sincerely chuffed to be back on the Premier League sideline. What, what you, what you think? He was
0: very wet. He was very wet, Roy. He <sighs> got rained on. He knows he can't use the umbrella. And he was just so <laughs> wet and old and seemed to be somewhat confused. He's confused. Not that happy. At the end, he stood up and clapped the crowd like there was anything worth clapping. He just doesn't really look like he knows what's going there's, on.
1: There's a scene in Game of Thrones where old Grandmaster Pycelle wakes up in King's Landing with a prostitute in his bed. I mean that was Pycelle, not, not Roy Hodgson. But that's what I thought of when I watched him kind of take to the field for the first time. That man is less a football manager. He's more like a throwback to a more genteel, kind of optimistic, naive post-war time. Here's what I don't understand about his appointment, and you, you can shed light on this for me. Roy Hodgson has had great days as a manager. Yeah, Those great days, they were like at least seven years ago, when most of his players weren't kind of even bar mitzvahed yet. I, I, I'm wondering how they receive him when he, he walks into the locker. Room. He must be wheeled in like some kind of avuncular grandfather. They must be like, do, do you think they treat him like how you television people treat Larry King?
0: <laughs> oh my god yeah, I have no idea how often I run into Larry King uh, in Hollywood you're like um, you're
1: you, you just like nice to him and you engage him but it's a bit of sorrow what, what he's become and what he nice. was
0: he's always got the best table in the restaurant Larry King so, uh, and I'm sure Roy does too in all Nando's. the hot spots Croydon and Norwood
1: Oh, it, it does get worse for Palace who now face both Manchester clubs and Champions Chelsea in the next three league games ever inspiring Roy told the press, yeah, it is five defeats, zero points, and a really tough programme ahead. All I'll say is, trust the process, Palace fans. Trust the process. You're going down like Martin Shrekley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe with Everton as well, Rod. So don't, don't seem too delighted about oh. it. Okay. A good week for Man City-laden Togger lineups, especially those including Sergio Aguero. He racked up 50.5 points, leading GFOP, I've Got Pep, to a victory in the Men in Blazers Tugger League. A patch is on the way to you, good sir. Remember, we have a weekly league, so you can still sign up and join the almost 16,000 GFOPs in our army already playing Togger. All of the details are on meninblazers.com. Okay, Rog, in MLS... The New England Revolutions firing of Jay Heaps after six seasons caps what was otherwise a record-setting week in MLS. The Timbers' Diego Valeri became MLS's Jamie Vardy stunt double, setting the record for consecutive games with a goal. He tallied in his eighth straight in Portland's loss to Rouse Salt Lake. And down south, Rog, Atlanta United, what a stadium. A highly entertaining 3-3 draw with Orlando and set an attendance record of more than 70,000.
1: Oh, David, can I just say about Jay Heaps, I always thought he was less a football manager and more like some kind of prog rock band from the 1970s who go touring with Jethro Tull. Huh. Oh, well, I'm going to go and see Jay Heaps tonight. Diego Valeri, terrific feat, as they say in Argentina. Mazel tov, mate. But Atlanta United, 70,425 fans packed in to the Mercedes Stadium. Wow, just Wow. Uh, It's astonishing, a huge finger in the eye for all the naysayers, the haters who took relish before this season saying football will never work in the South. It's a true feather in the cap for MLS and and just an astonishing feat, I think, for any country, in any nation, on any planet. uh, Watching it, it was the most beautiful thing that I've seen come out of Atlanta since Donald Glover's tuxedo. Yeah, I, I got serious tuxedo envy when I watch Donald Glover, I I, I want to say to all the Atlanta United fans, and I'll say this for me and Dave, we can't wait to come down and sample the Atlanta football culture that you've built there in person.
0: Absolutely. And Roger, and that stadium, uh, you know, saw it during the Atlanta FC game. And then, at the weekend, uh, and the Falcons played there as well. What a stadium Arthur Blank has built there. Um, it's going to be an American sporting mecca. It's just great to have a great new stadium. Maybe uh, Jay Heaps can play a t- live gig there. Yeah, with Jeff O'Toole. Top. If you missed that Atlanta game, they play at home again this Sunday against Montreal at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Network Fox. And right before that, it's Sporting Kansas City against the LA Galaxy at 2 p.m. Eastern time also on Network Fox. Okay, the rest of your weekend looks like this. It kicks off at 7.30 a.m. Saturday with West Ham hosting Tottenham, the Battle of the Hams, at 10 that morning. Both Manchester clubs are in action. City hosts Crystal Palace, not Mm. in the face, and United (laughs) travel to Southampton at 12.30. It's Leicester versus Liverpool. All of those games are on the NBC family of networks. And this Sunday, Rog, your two films promoted about Premier League new boys, Brighton and Hove Albion, and... Newcastle United air at 9 and 9.30 respectively. And coincidentally, both of those teams clash at 11 a.m. on NBCSN. What a piece of scheduling, Rog.
1: Yes, Dave. what scheduling indeed. They're actually really, really good. And a lot of wonderful people at NBC Sports have put a huge amount of work into
0: them. And now, Rog, winner of the Poet Philosopher Soccer Scribe Raven of the Week, sponsored by Guinness. It's a tweet, actually, Rog, from at Phil Perspective. How have you not recognised the highest of holy days this Monday, the 19th birthday of one Christian Pulisic? Oh, 19. I'm worried he's ageing no, no, out. No, I'm worried, I'm worried he's aging out. <laughs> I don't want him to get older.
1: Never change, Christian. God, when I, I, It was his birthday yesterday, and that was a birthday I did enjoy rather than my own. I, I can't believe I mean, he has achieved so much by 19. Both at club level and internationally. And I started a thing yesterday. What was I doing when I turned that age, 19, and no, then no, no, no,
0: 19? I, I know. What, what, <laughs> and I don't want to talk about it. What were you doing? What were you doing? What was I doing? I was in America, Roger. I turned 19 in, in Mercersburg, Pennsylvania. It was oh, like, wow. Oh, I was listening to Foreigner. Oh,
1: I'm just That's chewing American bubblegum for the first time and snapping it and saying, life can't get any better than this, right?
0: Yeah, I loved it.
1: Do you know what I was doing? What? I was working on my first ever beer belly. Putting a lot of work into it. I had a baby. Working I, on your dad bod. I did. I had a baby beer belly. It was filled with Carlsberg special brew. And, and I felt, growing it, I felt a similar pressure to playing before 90,000 home fans and carrying the weight of expectation of a nation. But it was different at the same
0: time. Yeah, it was a little different, Rod. You also do a lot of good work for <laughs> Uh There are many other ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon, Frightings, Big or Small, just click off the Emporium page. Many blazes gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What are you putting in the Emporium this week, Roger? I
1: think Amazon have stopped doing that affiliates program now, but we keep saying it even though it no
0: longer exists because <laughs> it
1: just kind of sounds good. We like good.
0: it. We, like the, we can't be bothered to change the <laughs> and copy. It, and it's
1: in the script. I'm going to put a book in. Yeah. It's called The Missing of the Somme by Jeff Dyer. When, when I go back to England, I uh-huh. love to like run into an English bookstore and just quickly browse for books that are bigger over there than they are here that I've missed. Mm-hmm. And this was one that I picked up. It was written over 20 years ago, but it's back out amidst the centenary last year of that great folly of a battle in which 57,470 Englishmen died just on the first day alone. And this beautiful short book, into meditation on how we warp memory and experience of the battle or any battle through film poetry paintings and memorial sculptures changing our understanding of the very experience in which in the words of Dyer glorious failure became the british ideal a vivid example of how to make a virtue of calamity and dress up incompetence as heroism that's pretty well what every podcast of ours is about, David.
0: Pretty much, Rog. Uh, this week, Rog, I don't know. Are you one of those kind of people who loses things or you never lose things? Do you lose wallets? Do you lose keys? Oh, do I ever. Why, David? Oh, I lose everything, Rog, despite my way less bald in person dominance ever increasing. The one thing that's coming along with it is <laughs> I lose things all the time. I, lo- I need like a professional bag man just to, just to carry my bags everywhere because I lose everything. Just in the last two weeks, I've lost my wallet. I've lost uh, two sets of car keys, both my main set and my backup set, which meant that my car had to get towed out of the underground car park in the condo building I live in L.A. and there seemed to be no way to go and get any new keys. <laughs> my assistants, Francesca and Gab, uh, got together. Collectively, they're known as Gab Chesca or Fran Riel. Uh, they got together and they, they saw something that, that should work perfectly. Having said that, it didn't help me keep my car keys. Which is the tile, Roger? The tile is a little square, and you, you can put it on your car keys. You can slip one in your wallet. It then it then speaks somehow in Manchester City language to your phone, and it means that you can track all of your most important belongings. I might put them on in my kids. Might put it in George's socks to on make me, sure I don't lose Maybe him. on your underpants for the next live yeah, show of Men in Blazers. Absolutely. So I don't have to go commando again. So the tile that I'm putting in the, in the store, the Tile Slim phone finder, wallet finder item finder, a one pack. This is a bargain, Rog, at $24.98. The amount of money I spend losing my wallet, by the way, to everybody out there who's got Devo's wallet, because I've lost about 15 over the last 12 months. You're welcome. Enjoy. Enjoy your access to Soho House, the Kiwa Island Club. Enjoy my cash. Enjoy my credit cards. Um, but uh, yeah, this is hopefully going to work and I won't lose as many things in the future. Thanks to Tile.
1: We've got to start a new feature of Men in Blazers like our very popular JW inspired idea patch at the park we should have Devo's yeah. wallet at the park where different people <laughs> yeah. who found them wave yeah. them and send us photos of them at various events with your wallet. Yeah, but, or what did, what
0: did Devo lose this week? Can I just yeah, say, this exactly
1: might be a first that. for you and me this might be the first time I've listened to your wonderful suggestions and done anything other than nodded this is the
0: first time I've written down in green pen the Tile I'm Yeah, a, you might buy one I may mean, buy the. Th- mean, you mean you don't have a Nutrimix? You don't have a Breville sandwich maker. I you don't have. you don't have a collection of ladders.
1: I don't you once told me to buy the shapeweight, the hand weight that vibrates <laughs> while you work out. And that was the first and last recommendation I acted upon. The tile may be the second.
0: Oh, that's very good, Rog. Okay, there are many other ways to connect to us. Uh, visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter, which we produce with our partner Guinness. We've got a new issue going out this Friday in which we interview the composer. Responsible for the music behind EA Sports FIFA 18. Tom Holkenborg, oh. aka Junkie XL. AKA JXL. You can follow <laughs> us on Twitter at Men and Blazers at Embassy Davies at Rog Bennett. On Instagram at Men in Blazers, at embassy underscore Davies. Uh, on Facebook, Men and Blazers, you can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. You can always uh, send your ravens to the to the Men and Blazers in the crap part of Soho.
1: And to all GFOPs of the mosaic persuasion. With Rosh Hashanah coming up on Thursday, Davo joins me in wishing you all a Shannatova Happy, healthy New Year to everybody.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Rod, happy birthday. Vendor punked. A War Pig. Who wants to sex Matambo? To Visions! Balls win. Balls win more than ever.
1: <laughs> Scientifically
0: proven. Take that, Gloria. But sometimes, unfortunately, bulls do lose. Myth. To see a sucker. Abrogado, rock on, mate.
1: Kung fu fight in America. And Bald's, love yourselves, love yourselves. You're sexy, you're beautiful. Dominate. Yes. Ah Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Okay, so if you had a time machine, how far in time would you need to go back to be a dominant basketball player of that era.
0: <laughs> I need to go to when Bob Cousy was playing. Back I would,
1: in, in the plumber 27
0: days? 27-year-old Shea would give Bob Cousy the business. He's not guarding me.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion.
0: And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo. And it's the... Best.
1: Each week, Shay and I are combing through all of the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling ones, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities.
0: Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence.
1: Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand.
0: Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh,
1: the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.